Hey, hey, y'all. It's me, Robin. And just real quick before we get to today's episode, if you are loving listening to the podcast, or maybe you don't know because you've just pressed play for the first time ever, but if you like to listen to things in your earbuds, you are going to be so happy to know that Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors is now released as an audiobook. You can get it in Audible or wherever else you get your audiobooks. And of course, you can still get it in print and ebook. If you go to robingobel.com slash book, it's going to give you all the options, including that you could order a signed copy from my local bookstore. Alrighty, y'all. Here's that podcast episode you're waiting for. Hey there. Welcome back. It's the Parenting After Trauma podcast, and you're here with me, your host, Robin Gobel. I am in the middle of such an intense week and have been looking so forward to just carving out the next half hour, taking like a, a physical breath and an energetic breath. And just coming to be with you here now in this moment. And I want to actually talk about exactly that. I didn't script this out. I didn't plan to say that I wanted to be with you in this moment. But I think that's sort of my point that we'll get to as this episode unfolds and concludes is how frequently that language is in everything that we're saying and doing or or aiming for. It's such present language. It's something I say a lot. It's something I know other folks say a lot. But there sometimes can be this sense of like, but what does that even mean? Like, what does it mean to be with? And then why does it matter? Like, what's important about it? I say be with or being with so often that I named my program after it, right? I remember as I was trying to figure out what I was going to call what is now called being with, I just was writing about it. I was writing like my hopes and my dreams and my desires and how I hoped the program would unfold and why I wanted to do this. I was just writing, 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 writing. And as I was reflecting back on it and reading through it, what jumped out at me was how often I use the language be with or being with. So often that it seemed so obvious then that's like, well, of course, that's what I'm going to name this this year-long program that I ended up creating for parenting professionals. Because, well, of course, like the program being with is full of tools and I teach the parents that I work with tons of tools and I teach you tons of tools here on the podcast, right? That there are lots of tools, but also the, those of you listening to this podcast have had enough impossible situations in your parenting or in your work with kids with big baffling behaviors that you already know that there's not always a tool, right? When when situations are impossible, that there isn't always a tool that we can just turn to that will be helpful. 
not a tool in the traditional sense, but we'll talk, of course, how being with is, is the tool, right? And so because those are the families that I work with, those are the families that are in the club, those are the families that I was working with in my clinical practice, and, and those are the families that the professionals in being with are serving, families who there isn't always a tool that's going to solve their problem. It becomes then, how do we focus on the being and the being with? Being with as like a tool, a tool that's taught is something I first learned about when I trained in the circle of security. And I'll put information about the circle of security down in the show notes. The circle of security has uh, professional training programs. The circle of security has a book for professionals called the circle of security intervention. And then they have a book for parents called raising a secure child. The circle of security is one of the most impactful trainings I've ever participated in. And I've taken a lot. So that's really saying something. The folks over at Circle of Security have created the most delightful five-minute animation about the concept of being with. And I'm going to make sure to put the link to that down in the show notes as well. Highly recommend that after you listen to this episode that you head over and check out this video because I think the illustrations in the video really help to kind of anchor in what feels like a um, kind of hard to pin down or hard to describe experience of being with. As I was prepping for this podcast episode, I went and grabbed my Circle of Security Intervention book and wanted to just go like right to the source and look at what Circle of Security says about being with. So I'm just going to actually read you the definition. Being with, a deceptively simple term, represents a profound need that, when answered, paves the way for a lifetime of satisfying relationships, for a mastery of a raft of developmental tasks and adult competencies, for trust and self-regulation, and even physical health. It is by being with the child that the parent provides responsive caregiving and has the greatest hope of meeting the child's needs. And it is by being with the parents that the therapist is able to elicit change. So I took that right from Circle of Security Intervention. If you want to dive in further, highly recommend getting your hands on that book. If I turn to my theory of interpersonal neurobiology... When I'm thinking about being with, what I look for in interpersonal neurobiology language is the concept of resonance, the, the process whereby two separate parts become one, impacting one another, becomes, becoming something new together, but without losing their individual separateness. And when I think about resonance, that's such a key piece for me, that there's this, this coming together this creation of something new, but without the loss of the individual pieces that came together to create the something new. So like an orchestra or a family, a family with good, healthy, energetic boundaries, right? That the orchestra is made up of 
different instruments and different players who are playing the instruments. And together we put all those instruments together and it creates something new and amazing. But that individual violin player is still there and that individual horn player is still there and that individual flute player is still there. And all of their individual individuality is still completely intact coming together to create something new. That is what's required to be with, to come into contact with another person, to connect with their energy in the space between while having these really strong energetic boundaries so that what's theirs doesn't become what's mine and I get confused, right? Being with requires having a significant amount of already existing internalized co-regulation, which a lot of folks call self-regulation, but y'all know that here we call it internalized co-regulation, right? And that internalized co-regulation allows us to join somebody in their distress without feeling any urgency to change it. There is a sense of curiosity and compassion in the energetic space of being with somebody. Our owl brain is solidly online. Our owl brain is totally in charge when we are being with. Now that doesn't mean we don't have big feelings, right? It doesn't mean that we're calm. We It means that we're resonating with the intensity while still staying regulated, mindful, connected to ourselves and aware of what's mine and what's yours. And yeah, I teach a program for professionals called Being With and this experience of being with as is as important, if maybe not even more important, in parenting than it is in the professional relationship. It's also much, much, much harder inside parenting. The thing about being a professional and bringing, um, you know, co-regulation and presence and attunement and being with to our clients is that most of us are only with our clients for a short duration. And then we have a break and then we go to a different client. And not that it's easy necessarily to be with for 50, 55 minutes, or I mean, even a 90 minute session, I wouldn't call it easy, but knowing that it's going to be over, right? Knowing that there's this structure in place, knowing that there's going to be a break, knowing that the next person who comes in might also be dysregulated and need resonance with their dysregulation, but it's different, right? It's not the same um, dysregulation that lasts for hours and hours and hours and hours. All of these pieces make being with, with my professional hat on much easier than being with when I have my parent hat on. So when I say that being with might be even more important as a parent than it is as a professional, I don't want to imply anything like it's easier or you should be better at it in the parenting with their parenting hat on because that's not true at all, but it is exceptionally important. So sometimes the experience of being with has words, right? It might sound literally like I'm here with you. I won't leave you. We're here together. I see you. I see your pain. I see your anger. 
right? Sometimes being with doesn't have words at all. Being with relieves us from the compulsion to try to fix a situation that isn't fixable. And this is why I think it is so crucial for the families that I work with and for my own family, right? That we have situations that frankly just aren't fixable. So what do we do instead? We be with it. Let's talk about why this matters. Like, why do we want to kind of hone and develop the skill? What's important about being with? Because it's hard and it's hard to develop the skill. Like it takes a lot of practice to develop the energetic boundaries, to develop the capacity to resonate without trying to end or rescue, right? This is not easy work. So why would we do it? What's even important about this? Why does it matter? I want you to imagine this. I'm with a client who is in deep distress about a situation that's very distressing and has no real solution. It's a situation that simply just can't be fixed. Now imagine that this client has had a lot of experiences in their past where they were left all alone with really overwhelming or dysregulating experiences. Nobody was there with them. Nobody offered the co-regulation that was needed. And then before we go any further with this example, ask yourself if that was ever true for you. Have you ever had experiences in your past where you were left all alone with overwhelming and dysregulating experiencing and nobody was with you and nobody offered the co-regulation that you needed? This doesn't have to mean that you have a past that was filled with trauma and toxic stress, but I don't know that I've ever met a human that doesn't connect with the idea that at some point in their past, they were left all alone with overwhelming and dysregulating experiences, right? So now there can be times now in our present everyday lives, right? And imagine, again, imagine this is true for my client who's in my office and is having a distressing experience and they've had a history of having distressing experiences and being all alone. Now they're having an overwhelming experience and because of the past, those experiences have the expectation that again, they are going to be left all alone. And again, take a moment and consider how often this might be true for us. This is a pretty common human experience. This isn't necessarily about trauma and toxic stress or even in experiences of insecure attachment. Most of us have had overwhelming experiences in the past where we were left all alone. And many of us have experiences in the here and now where we have a distressing experience and and we are anticipating that we will just be all alone. And it is that aloneness, actually, that's traumatic. Not the distress itself, but the aloneness that's connected to the distress. It feels like it's the impossible situation that's traumatic, but actually it's not. It's the expectation that the impossible situation will be coupled with aloneness. 
So for my client, then what they need isn't for me to fix the impossible situation or to offer some sort of brilliant tool, though certainly if I had one, I would offer it. So just be clear about that. I'm not withholding things. If I had a a tool and we could fix it, eventually we would get to that. But we've already established that there's no tool. There's nothing to fix it. It's an impossible situation, right? What they need in those moments of connecting with the distress and the impossibility of their own situation, what they need is the aloneness to be undone. The aloneness that they've had in the past and the aloneness then that they're expecting next, because that's how the human brain works. We expect each of us always has expectations about what's about to happen in the next moment. And it's based completely on what has happened to us in the past. The brain actually, that's kind of its dominant job is to anticipate what is about to happen next. And of course, the primary way the brain does that job is by taking inventory of everything that has happened in the past. So if in the past, distress was coupled with aloneness, then now the distress is expecting aloneness. And even though this situation is impossible and there's nothing that I can do to fix the situation, what that person needs is to receive the opposite of what they were expecting. They don't need the problem solved. I mean, like I said, that'd be great. And if I could, I would, but they don't need the problem solved. They need me to be with them. When the nervous system is expecting all aloneness and it's surprised with someone who's willing to be with, the neural network that holds the impossible situation with the trauma of being alone has the opportunity to unlock and in a way be rewritten. I'm interrupting the show real quick because if you happen to be a new listener, you might find yourself being a little overwhelmed by all this information. That makes total sense. I mean, there's like 150 episodes plus all the free resources that are available over my website. It's just a lot. So many folks have asked me, where do I start? So I created a separate podcast stream called Start here. What I did is I took the 10 episodes that I want you to listen to first, and then I want you to listen to in this specific order. And I put them into a separate podcast stream so that you don't have to search for them. You can just press play and they'll play one after the other after the other. If you go to robingoblecom slash start here, you'll be able to get an invitation to subscribe. And then you'll be able to listen right in the same podcast app you're using right now. RobinGobel.com slash start here. I will also offer that intense dysregulation is expecting to be all alone. And the science behind that is going to go outside the scope of what we're going to tackle in this specific episode. But if you're dealing with a child or a grown up who has extreme intense dysregulation that feels to you really disproportionate to like what's really objectively happening in the here and now, part of the reason for that is because of the aloneness that's, that is coupled into that neural network. And so I don't have to know you or know your situation or know your child's history to know that what they need is for you to be with. 
I don't have to know all the details about my client's history to know that what they need is for me to be with. If I can stick with and be with my client or my child or my husband, that's when the nervous system has the opportunity to take in some safety. Did you have a chance to listen to the podcast with my, with my husband from uh, two weeks ago where he talked about when he's really having intense dysregulation, his mind is just going bananas, right? And he's having a huge watchdog or possum brain experience that sometimes I can kind of get a hold of and bring safety to my own watchdog brain, put it to rest, and then step toward him to just be with him in his terror. It's really, really, really hard, right? I, I am not very good at it. And this is what I do for a living. I, I think my husband gave me a grade of F plus <laughs> in that, you know, we kind of chuckled in that I can do it about 5% of the time. But I try and I keep trying every single day. And it's that trying and then it's the being with that literally actually changes the brain. It is a tool. So where then do all the other tools fit in, right? I give you a lot of tools. I give members of the club tremendous amounts of tools. And of course, I spend a lot of time inside being with teaching them tools so that they can teach the families that they work with. Why? Like, why am I doing that if being with is the most important piece? Well, one thing about the tools is that they having a bunch of tools and tools that we feel pretty confident are going to actually be helpful. Those tools help to calm our watchdog and possum brain, right? Those tools give us a sense of, oh, phew, I know what to do. I'm not helpless in this situation. That helps my watchdog and possum brain feel safer. It helps my owl brain to grow bigger and stronger so that I can be with. So the tools and having a toolbox full of tools that we trust, right? Like tools that really work, help us be with more. Eventually then, as we really grow that owl brain big and strong, the tools just become something that hang out in the background. We can kind of pull them out with needed, but we're not focused on them. I mean, I definitely, I have a lot of great ideas for how to help kids reconnect with themselves, reconnect with their regulation and with safety. I have a lot of great ideas, lots and lots of tools. So it's not that the tools are unimportant, but the tools become amplified when we can really lean in and just trust that experience of being with. Being with means staying in our owl brain. It means that we have compassion and of course, we want the people we're with who are hurting or dysregulated, of course, we want them to feel better. And of course, we may even want their behavior to stop. But when we are being with, we don't rush in to make them feel better. And we definitely don't do it because their discomfort is making us uncomfortable. And think about that for a second. How often when we are trying to help somebody feel better is what we're really trying to do is help ourselves feel better because we're so uncomfortable with how uncomfortable they are. 
being with means having the energetic boundaries that we can resonate with someone's pain without becoming engulfed by it or without staying separate from it and leaving them all alone. Being with also means that someone was first with us. Being with means prioritizing being in community with people who want to be with us so that we can be with those who need that from us. And being with isn't coddling or pitying. Being with allows for the developmental process of growth and regulation to really bloom. Being with means our watchdog and possum brains can take a break. And that's really good for our physical health, too. The tools like scripts for when our kid is manipulative or practical strategies to help the child who just can't handle no, which I give you in previous podcast episodes if you want to go check them out. Those tools give us the confidence to trust that we can be with. Then the being with actually becomes the most powerful tool. So they all work together in harmony, one needing the other. You might even experience me being with you through this podcast. That is my deepest hope. It's also why I wrote my book the way that I wrote it. I I didn't want to just write another book full of tools. There's lots of those, and there's lots of people with great ideas who can write those. I wanted to write a book that would give you the sense that I was with you so that your brain will change and you'll be able to use all those good tools that you get from me, but also all the good tools that you get from a lot of other places because lots of people have great ideas for really good tools, right? I just didn't want to only offer you more tools. I wanted to offer them in a way where your brain could change so you could actually use the tools. It's exactly the reason why I created the club. And it's definitely exactly the reason why I created Being With, the program where I train professionals to work with parents. Being with takes practice. Teeny, tiny micro moments of practice. It's so totally okay if it's hard for you. And it's okay if you fail, and even if you fail a lot, remember my husband gave me an F plus in being with him in his most desperate out of control moments. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, and you're feeling a little bit shocked by that, head back a couple episodes ago and check out the episode about loving somebody with a neuroimmune condition. He was my guest and we really got into like kind of the intimate parts of the dysregulation and the intensity of big baffling behaviors. And what is that like for him to live inside his brain that he has sometimes so little control over? And then I did a follow-up episode about what is that like for me, right? So we, we lovingly graded me as getting an F plus in that, in that, I am capable of being with him in his most dysregulated moments about 5% of the time. But you know what? Hey, 5%, that's better than 4%. And you know what? My next goal is 6%. And you know what I need to prioritize 
the most in order to get to that 6%, what I need to prioritize is being with people who will be with me. So it is my deepest hope that you can find these people. And if you need help finding these people, come join us over in the club. If you're a professional, come join us over in being with. And maybe in this moment, in this moment, as you're listening to this podcast, notice that here I am being with you. And I will be with you again next week. So until then, may you find many micro moments of connection. Are you ending this episode with maybe a big sigh of relief? Like, yes, finally, someone gets me and my kids. But also maybe a sense of like, okay, but now what? All right, y'all, I've got lots of possible now what's. If you want to connect with me directly, like pick my brain, have access to me almost every day, not to mention hundreds of other parents from around the world who totally get what it's like to be you, then you're going to want to join us in the club. We have monthly live events, including groups for siblings of dysregulated kids, a huge video library with something like 80 or 90 videos, plus transcripts and certificates of completion. Plus, of course, a very active forum that I'm participating in every single day. We open for new members periodically. So go check robingobel.com slash the club. If we aren't open now, you can put yourself on the waiting list and I'll let you know the moment we open for new members. That's robingobel.com slash the club. Now, if you're a professional and you want to strengthen your capacity to work with the families of kids with big baffling behaviors and vulnerable nervous systems, plus use all of my materials, including a 12-module course that follows raising kids with big baffling behaviors, plus be included in an online searchable directory so families all over the world could find you then you're looking for Being With, which is my year-long immersive training program that runs January through December. So you'll want to go to robingobel.com slash being with, read all about it. And if you're interested, put yourself on that waiting list too. Now, if you just maybe need a little extra connection and co-regulation, but don't feel like you need to join the club, then you can just keep listening to my podcast. Or you could go subscribe to my Start Here podcast, and that'll give you 10 episodes in order that will take you through cultivating a great foundation of parenting with regulation, connection, and felt safety. That's at robingobel.com slash start here. You have to go there. You can't just find it in your podcast app. Or you can get yourself a copy of Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors, paper book, audio book, ebook. You can get that anywhere books are sold. Or you can just head to my website, download one of my very many free resources. I keep them all really easy to access at robingobel.com slash 
free resources, webinars, masterclasses, ebooks, infographics, all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. See what of those things could be supportive of you or maybe to the other adults in your life who are helping support you and your child. There are just so many ways that you and I could be more connected and you can get the amount of co-regulation and support that you need. If it feels like a lot to remember, all you have to do is go to robingobel.com and take your time clicking around, seeing what I got there. I am so, so glad you and I are connected now. And I can't wait to be with you again soon in our next episode of The Baffling Behavior Show. Bye-bye, y'all.